0: Live from the accessible media studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI Audio's on air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. Swinging open the gateway to your weekend, ladies and gentlemen, and a couple of things ahead that I just want to mention. Stay tuned for details on a contest you can jump into starting, ready, set. Actually, yesterday. So one would just get through your Friday. I know Friday is the one day you don't lose track of.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And I have a friend, actually. um, By the time it's Thursday night, she already starts saying, it's Friday. Oh, it's Friday. Oh, my God. (laughs) Definitely throws me off every other day. But on Thursday, I kind of get it.
0: Yeah, it's that. I think for, for some people grow up just... Loving Fridays, right? It's just that day you wait That's for, you me. get there. And I, I always think, well, is it really or Saturday the great day or, you know, again, I, not hmm. sure. because Saturday's a
1: full day off if right? you're like a regular work week person. But for some reason, Friday is the most anticipated day of the week for me.
0: I wonder how people who work weekends and have for a long time, maybe they get Tuesday and Wednesday. I wonder how much it just becomes the norm from Monday is their time. It's obviously going to be a bit different because they're not in sync with everyone else, but once you get used Mm -hmm. to it, do you care? I wonder.
1: I don't know. I I guess it's, it depends on how you view your, first of all, I always had a bias towards Friday because I was born on a Friday. Me and my, one of my brothers both born on a Friday. So all our lives, we just, for some reason, thought Fridays were the best. Anyways, you know. Yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> we were born then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, yeah, I wouldn't even think about that. To be honest, I should check. At one time, I did check. What day to see were you born? Day. I I don't know. I want to say it was a Thursday, but I'm I don't remember now. I'd have to I'd have to check.
1: Okay.
0: Um, but well. I always think about because you know Friday is a different kind of night because so many people. Have that time off. What is it like if they're off on a Monday? Then that's their mm-hmm. Friday. And people will say that to you. You know, oh, it's, it's my Friday. Well, no, really, it's just, you know, you don't go to work tomorrow. I I don't think about it that yeah. way. It's, oh, it's Friday. It's, It's it's you know, the last day you work and away you go. True. Uh, speaking of away you go, folks, let's see what's coming up on Kelly and Company today. Notion is using artificial intelligence, folks, to automatically write your blog posts, job descriptions, and poetry. We discuss this shortly with John Beeler.
1: Karen McGee got the chance to attend the Paratuff Cup uh, competition in Montreal. That was earlier this month. And she's going to give us a recap of and impressions of the event.
0: Okay. And starting in 2023, folks, Amazon will start showing uh, reads, uh, Goodreads reviews and ratings in their apps when searching for ebooks and audiobooks. Ryan Huey, he's got the scoop. Of course, you knew that. And he'll do that in hour two here on Kelly and Company. So I mentioned off the top. That um, it's time for contest stuff. Always so cool. And I remember as, as a kid, wow, it'd be great to be able to give stuff away on the radio. That would be so awesome. And I think that was one of the things that I was so intrigued about being an aspiring radio interested child wanting that gig later on. But... Today, we're talking more about the fact that our podcast friends are able to get in on giving away stuff and having a lot of fun. And and this is a pretty, pretty important one. Our friends from the Tripping on Air podcast are getting into the holiday spirit. They're giving away a ton of prizes as part of the 2022 MS Holiday Gift Guide. Go to ami.ca contest. Okay. That's where you're going to find all the information. Excuse me. Let me do that again because yesterday I messed it up. AMI.ca slash T O A contest to review the list of prizes that are available to you and and, and all the rules and comp and contest uh, details for doing it okay folks uh it's going to be great and the if you want to check those out and enter for your chance to win just keep in mind the contest closes december 1st at eleven fifty p.m et Eleven fifty p.m et you better hurry up and get in there please keep in mind One set of entries per day. Winners will be contacted via email and listed on the uh, Tripping On Air Instagram page. So uh, lots of fun there. Please get in on it. Speaking of lots of fun, folks in Toronto have a really interesting opportunity, but let's call it a fantastic experience, Ramya.
1: Yes, exactly. Very interactive opportunity coming up. And it's actually this weekend. So if you have some free time on your Sunday and you feel like visiting the center of the city, you can join CNIB for what they're calling a celebration and an unveiling of the Young Street Accessible Mural. So basically, uh, what you're signing up for here is an experience of the uh, a guide... Uh, a guide around the mural there and a tour. Sorry. That's what I'm trying to think of. And you can hear from some guest speakers. They have a whole reception happening at the CNIB as well. And I'll give you some timings, but you can hear from the artists themselves who created the mural, Layla and Adams, and you can enjoy live music and some hot beverages. The the food is um, catered by La Brista Cafe and the unveiling is, like I said, going to be followed by a reception at the CNIB Hub, and that's at 1525 Young Street, so uh, right at Young and Saint Clair, just a bit north of there for sh- for people who are taking TTC. This is. Awesome, Kels, because this mural, when they say accessible, you're wondering what it is. It's tactile and audible accessibility based mural. And so that's pretty cool. much all they tease about it. I know. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm going to be attending myself uh, with a couple of friends. And I'm very excited because that's a bit of a tease. And we don't know exactly what that means, but we know it's art. And we know that in this area, too, if you have um, visited before, they have this alleyway that they love It's around the CNIB, just like a couple steps away from the CNIB. They love decorating this alleyway with all kinds of art. In the past, I've seen twinkling stars. I've seen all kinds of glittery um, experiences in the in the Christmas holiday time frame. There's a lot of stuff going on there, too. It's very picturesque. So I'm wondering where exactly this mural is in comparison. Yeah, that's that what I was trying to figure up. out because
0: I was trying to figure out the the, the um, addresses because it gives the address yeah. it's towards Heath or yeah. whether it's more towards St. Clair.
1: Hmm. But this is cool because this one, this mural was uh, funded through the City of Toronto's Start Partnership Program. And you can find more information about the reception and the unveiling, including registration details, at CNIB's event page online. OK, it's Sharon who's uh, taking over this. So when you go there, you can find out more information. Sunday, November 20th, 1 to 3 p.m., followed by a reception at the CNIB Hub from 3 to uh, 3.30 to 5 p.m. And they're saying, first of all, the Location of the mural itself is one five oh seven Young Street, but if you want to go to the hub one five two five Young Street, um, get there. For 1230 to 1250 p.m. and you can walk over together with some um, guides and others from the CNIB.
0: Yeah, really close. It uh, sounds like a few doors down if I yep. remember my St. Clair and Young area from, from uh, spending a lot of time in there. Uh, it, it really, really sounds like an opportunity, me. I'm curious, too, if there's the Christmas feel to it when we talk about the audible sounds or if it's, if it's all about description
1: yeah I wonder and i I think that there is going to be a lot more than just description because they're calling it an accessible mural mm-hmm. um but it's a fun area it's a fun area of the city to take this on in and because it's accessible and because it's close to the c n i b hub I feel like it's a great place and
0: yeah, and that area has always been really since they opened that hub very receptive. Very great. Thank you for for, uh, sharing that with us. Good luck to everybody, CNIB and everyone attending. Hopefully the weather is, is in favor on Sunday and you have a great time. Up next, folks, after the break, Grant Hardy, and he has our lifestyle headlines today. I caught you there, trying to sneak out, ladies and gentlemen. I get it, I get it, you've got things to do, that happens sometimes. Sorry, I realized I'm a little low there, we'll fix that. Uh, I realize, (laughs) I think that's a cord that grabbed onto that and turned that down. Now you're hearing me. But anyway, I caught you, trying to sneak out. I know I was kind of saying, I caught you, trying to sneak out. But now I'm being a little more assertive here. If you have to run out on us. Take your smart device, and while you're at it, download TuneIn Radio or OOTunes, a couple of great apps. You can take us with you if you do a search for us and listen in on the program. If you're at your desk, settled back and listening and working, well, I want to check the show out. Well, go to AMI.ca, and you can listen to the live stream of AMI-audio. Romeo Amuthan, Kelly McDonald, we are the hosts of the program. Thanks for being with us. And we welcome in reporter Grant Hardy, our other producer on the program here. Uh, Today, he's bringing us a package of lifestyle topics to discuss. Grant, welcome back to the show.
2: Kelly, it's a good thing you caught me. Uh, I was about to sneak out.
0: Yeah, but you've Start got right all sorts early. of smart devices in which to put AMI audio on. And I know that you've already ah. caught up with all that and immersed yourself in tune in OO oh, oh, just for the purposes of being able to sneak out, get breakfast, lunch, whatever, and still listen in.
2: No no early weekend for me. To, okay. Uh nope, I guess. Well, nope. Just as well, I suppose, because I do have a couple of interesting lifestyle headlines. I hope they're interesting anyway. You guys and the listeners can be the judge. Uh, This one's kind of cool. I saw this on CTV News. Uh, A national dental care benefit is now law. Now, Canada will soon have its first form of national dental care coverage now that legislation implementing a benefit program for children under the age of 12 has passed. On Thursday, the bill bringing in the dental benefit for lower-income families, known as Bill C-31, received royal assent and has become law, brought forward alongside a benefit for low-income renters. The dental benefit was an initiative sparked by an agreement between Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, the government has set a target date of December 1st to open up the program for applications. Ahead of that, here's exactly how it's going to work. Now, for now, as mentioned, it's offered only to children under the age of 12, although the Liberal government is intending to expand it to seniors and people with disabilities and other people in the uh, next little while, Uh, and for people with an annual family income of less than $90,000. According to the government, this benefit would provide payments of up to $650 per child per year, depending on family income. For example, $650 would be provided per child if the family's adjusted net income is under $70,000. $300 would be provided per, per child if the family's adjusted net income income is between seventy dollars and $79,000, and so on. The amount offered is the government's best calibration of how much funding is needed to cover basic dental care, like exams, cleaning x-rays, and fillings without much left over, according to government officials who briefed reporters on the program. And what's really cool is that um, you do not have to return excess funding. Uh, it's hoped that you will put it towards future dental care, uh, maybe dental care, care for uh, previous years. And it seems like they're going to make this pretty easy to apply for. This this is really cool because we always talk about Canada having free health care, but our teeth literally like are no less important than, you know, our legs or our, heart or chest, whatever. And yet it's amazing to me that like people have had to pay for dental care or, you know, if your job, your medical insurance doesn't cover it, you mm-hmm. know, like sometimes you just have to kind of wait until you have that emergency come up uh, or, um, you know, uh, get honestly like inferior dental care. So I, I think it sounds to me like the government has done a, a reasonable job creating something that is relatively non-bureaucratic.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're definitely... Many, many scenarios. I'm not even really sure how this came about. We were sort of following it um, and it was really exciting. But you know how it is with legislation. We're like, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but with dental care, you're right, Grant. There are a lot of people who fall between the cracks. It's definitely not a what we see in Canada as a mandatory uh, support or anything that we get really uh, nearly as much financial support as, as we med- should. Yeah. And even if yeah. it's not, there's just not enough people who get the benefit. You know, for example, if you work, right, but your parents don't, even if you're an adult, there there's not really mm. like uh, seniors who, who get um, enough dental coverage. If you're not on disability support or pension or all these other things, mm-hmm. then you're not getting uh, dental support. So there's lots and lots of people, I'm sure... Who don't get it and it's great that now kids are getting it or at least to some degree they are adjusting based on you know income which is I don't know if it can be tricky or not but the good thing is like you said I think they're making it easy for people doing it through the CRA means that all of it's kind of ke- keeping in track with your taxed and, and income um, report anyway right?
2: No that's a really good point and uh, thanks for mentioning that that it is through the CRA and that it's not uh not supposed to impact other benefits such as the child uh canada child benefit uh mm-hmm. yeah you know what i definitely think is uh you know interesting is kids you know stuff like braces you know fixing crooked teeth cosmetic surgery stuff like that i went through this as a kid and i had a um my mom had dental coverage through through work uh, but you know the tricky thing is that some of this stuff is not deemed to be essential. That's right. You can kind exactly. of leave Most. It, cause, cause.
1: Yeah, exactly. Not even cause root canals are of... essential. Mm-hmm. Like they consider that cosmetic, oh, and I was like, well, seriously.
0: And the problem yeah. is, you got to have a good start on everything. Taking care, getting that necessary need to know. You got to take care of your teeth because, as we find, as people are getting older, there are a lot of health conditions aggravated by bad teeth and some can, can, infections that you get in your mouth can be fatal.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as you become an adult, stuff like this gets more, uh, more complicated even in terms of the surgeries and, and more costly, too, to fix problems that maybe could have been handled as a child. So it's an, another example of how things just aren't preventative enough. They're very reactive, and it seems like this is hopefully a good step uh, in the opposite dire- uh, direction, mm.
0: for, In a necessary direction. Exactly. That's that's the idea. No, no one
2: loves dental care. Gotta be honest, but uh, <laughs> one of those we things needed. that I, I always—I I,
0: get scared. Grant, I, don't you guys?
2: Oh, you know, not so much as an adult. As <laughs> as a, as a oh. child, as a kid, I hated needles. I had my dentist at one point is like if, if you don't this is like your last warning we're gonna give you the name and address of another dentist if you don't like let <laughs> oh, us dear. you know well do the needle. so
0: <laughs> i used to have the issue with my dentist i'd argue it because they'd say you don't come in here enough you got to come in you got to take care of these great teeth you've got i said yeah but man when i when i when i come in here is the only time that you guys like start messing around with it Otherwise you're telling me for years it was oh you've got great teeth you got great oh, I loved it you're still in there messing around but when I started to regularly go that's when hey I got a cavity here oh yeah I kind of went over here when I would hardly went I never had any so I told them you know i don 't know what you're yeah, doing they... when I do come to see you but but no it's definitely something that I try my best to make sure I'm on try to do your you know all the maintenance we're supposed to that we hear about and 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 just do the right things because as we learn so much and hear so much about about down the road um and have the luxury of being able to to go in and get work done when so many others in our society who need it done aren't able to because of one loophole or another uh, that 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 keeps them out of there and being able to go because of the expense of it
2: that's the idea
0: so a good relationship with your teeth is important.
2: Also a good relationship with your credit card and finances, which is another thing that's tricky for us. And that brings me to Black Friday. We've got some uh, tips for uh, making sure that uh, you are really getting good bargains. So okay. one of the first ones.
0: <laughs> that's what, a yeah, week away? Uh, that's here, a week away, right? That's ne- Is that next week?
2: A week? week away. We're talking November 25th. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. So the first one here is, sure, something may be 50% off, but a lot of us don't actually pay attention to the prices of certain goods throughout the year. So the idea is to start tracking prices now, Uh, John Boyd, co-founder of Shops Savvy, says, which is a price comparison app. Using an app to explore a product's price history can help you see the retailer's marketing tactics. Sometimes a good sale is really to uh, uh, protect you from being uh, bombarded with like 50% off, but it's actually not a great price. Uh, They also advise you to not use credit for things. Try not to get into debt to get a really good product deal because chances are that you're still going to be paying that off. Uh, a lot of us are in that position. Um, and that kind of goes along with the other tips, like make sure that something is within your price range. So a TV that is 95% off or 80% off, but is still outside of your price range uh, is not a good buy. Um, also another tip is that sometimes if you're shopping for holiday gifts it's important to uh sometimes it's worthwhile just to sacrifice a little bit of that extra savings to get something that is actually in stock because especially Mm -hmm. uh a lot of those gaming consoles and stuff like that we know that they're going to go out of stock quickly Uh, a lot of stores have those things where um you know you can bring something in 30 days later take advantage of Uh, a sale if it goes on sale later or if you find a better price but you don't want to wind up having nothing under the tree so essentially take advantage of the savings uh, but don't get stuff that you didn't really need or that was outside your price range and make sure that you're actually getting a good deal this
1: is a really a great reminder around the holidays, Grant, because we do we do get swept up. Most of us get very swept up on for something or another, whether it be holiday feasting or holiday buying or holiday drinking. I don't know, whatever, just all kinds <laughs> of things. We get swept up with the energy of the holidays. And so especially when it comes to money and how you're going to be feeling in January, right? Like when you're looking at your your oh. accounts and your bills. Oh, pills. I mean from
0: eating and all that, yeah.
1: Right right, right, yeah, and eating. Um, <laughs> and you think about how you're gonna feel it just it's just a quick reminder of how it felt last January might just be enough to be like, yeah, pay attention to your wallet.
2: Yeah, that's the idea, And a lot of things, you know they're they're saying, and it's so true, like if you pay attention to the price of you know whatever it is, computers, wine, shoes clothes throughout yep. the year then you're probably in a good position to know if you're getting a good deal but if I walk in to buy a television and it's on sale and it's like 6 99 and here are the you know specifications, I, I have no idea whether that's a good deal mm-hmm. or not and that's why really that uh, price history aspect is so interesting because you can get into yeah. this I guess it's not as bad as down south where people are literally kind of battling each other for these these (laughs) deals and you have to make up your mind on the spot, but, uh, definitely really, well, I I think it's good to be an informed consumer.
0: I think it always is no matter what, because sales can be at any time. And, you know, and a lot of people don't want to deal with black Friday and, and, you know, even cyber Monday, just to the volume of people, like you said, the battles for stuff, even if they have a plethora of it, it's still lots of people. Grant, we'll talk to you a little later on in the show.
2: All right, folks, enjoy uh, your next hour and a bit
0: and sign back on. Okay, Grant will return for Cut for Time with us, folks. He does Lifestyle on Fridays and checks in with us on health on Wednesdays here on Kelly and Company. Notion is using artificial intelligence to automatically write your blog posts, job descriptions, and poetry. We discuss it with John Beeler in two minutes. Check us out right from your TV. Uh, you can listen to Kelly and Company right there. I'll tell you how, folks. Simply, if you're a Compton subscriber, for example, go to Channel 88. And Rogers Atlantic, you guys can find us on Channel 196. Or, if neither is your uh, cable uh, provider, why don't you go to ami.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area. I'm Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan.
1: On Fridays, we get to wrap up the week with just a little more tech, because in case we didn't have enough tech on the show, we'd like to feature and squeeze some more content in on Fridays and send us out to send us out into the weekend with this tech and app update is John Beeler. And John, we're starting with something kind of cool. I mean, it sounds a little black mirror ish, but you know, everything is headed this way, anyway. So, Notion is using artificial intelligence to automatically write your blog posts, job descriptions, and poetry. The poetry part sounds nice because it's art, but everything else, I'm like, hmm. See, and that's so the one tell us I don't more about like. This. The
0: other ones I can get, I, I can get behind. Really? Yeah. I
1: don't know. Well, let's break it down, though.
0: Yeah. So this
3: is a new tool that is in private alpha, which means basically they're still figuring out what they can actually do with this tool. And some of the things that it's capable of doing is what you described, doing blog posts, job descriptions, and even poetry. And um, it's it's kind of interesting to see how this whole AI generated content thing has been evolving. You know, uh, we've talked about some of these things before, Um, Certainly on the image generation side of things, things are just crazy hyperspace speed uh, fast as far as how much uh, the improvements we're seeing. And so with this particular tool Notion has, they're sort of letting it be used by certain key people to sort of figure out what it's really good at. And they're using the same kinds of training material that Google and other companies are using to train all of their tools for things like, you know, Grammarly and, and other projects and tools that, that are available out there. What's really interesting though is um, one of the sort of interesting use cases for this particular kind of tool is at least as a starting point. So one of the um, the people that got to sort of try this out, they started giving it a couple different sort of angles. One was to write a blog post uh, about smartwatches and, you know, it did okay. It, it, it Basically, what it's doing it's gleaning all this information from the internet and right. data models. Then it got some of the stuff wrong. So you, you still need to have someone go through it and, like, well, actually, that's not true anymore. That's an older model. Those <laughs> kinds of things when it talks to, about smartwatches. Um, right. But the return when you, of editors. When you think about it, well, exactly. And yeah. if not something you're going to be doing. It, this gives you at least a starting point. So you don't have to start from a clean slate. And I think this is what you're getting at, Kelly, is that, you know, at least I don't have to start from scratch. Um, And having something like this, being able to write, say, uh, a a sales email, right? So you're, you're sending out an email through a mailing list, talking about the virtues of your product. Why not get the AI to sort of take a stab at that to see what it comes up with? And it might be, you know... 50, 60, 70% of the way there, and you just sort of have to massage it the rest of the way. Still a lot easier than starting from scratch.
0: Yeah, especially Um, in a situation where, like you said here, we're looking at, say, uh, job postings, and we've got a new plant opening here in London for maple leaf foods and that up here. And if you had to run off uh you know a bunch of different job posts and you could actually keep the company format and all you have to do is say there's there's i don't know I a silly number of folks 98 different jobs that you're hiring for to start so i can see it i can get it there and say uh, yeah perfect use poetry well it's supposed to come from the heart or somewhere like that or your you know i, well, I, I find know. that hard to believe
1: does it have to i mean the thing is poetry well you are in those christmas movies we be... talked
0: about that have the same storyline sure. no
1: right or i'm I'm thinking more like it's not trying to replicate how you would write poetry. it's just poetry by AI. It's not really an yeah, identity but, thing, but what like I'm not passing off AI? poetry <laughs> like whatever the a i is doing is writing as poetry but but it's not trying to pass off the poetry as my own right but that that becomes issue but John, well, was there anything well, else well, with the, this that you wanted to mention mhm well
4: the,
3: the the thing is the the whole poetry angle and a i art in general there's still a human behind it because you're giving it prompts, right? You're, you're, you're right. sort of nudging right. in a certain directions, Right. And, and arguably mm. an artist using paint is nudging the paint in a certain direction. You know, like there's definitely <laughs> some skills that are involved with actually physically making a painting. Um, but when it comes to AI stuff, you're still nudging the computer in a certain direction. Um, and the people that are going to be good at this are the ones that, that understand how to manipulate the prompts, which are the, basically the keywords or the starting points that the AI uses to start writing from or drawing from or whatever, those are the the magicians are going to be the people that are are really good at sort of figuring out the syntax to talk to the computer to get it to get closer to the goal at the end right. of the day.
0: Like the people at the other end doing the blog post, massaging it to get it to be accurate and cleaner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but the That's other right. with a yeah. poem, you're doing it at the beginning and, and getting it to work for you. Really interesting. Yeah. yeah it'd be interesting to you see, you know, I do want to say, s- the architects say one this.
1: thing though. There are a lot of things that now AI is doing machine learning is doing and just apps in general uh, are are doing that we don't need to use these parts of ourselves anymore. Right? Like GPS means you don't have to memorize or write down directions and Um, using spell check and Grammarly and all of these things means we don't have to worry if we spelt something incorrectly or if we don't have the proper uh, grammar um, education or whatever. So it does, like, there is a part of me that's concerned about that. You know, AI is doing every, absolutely every single thing for us now. And of course we're editing and which, you know, you're right about that, John, we need the skills, but we become rusty and, or we just
0: don't like, have the creativity. We,
1: get, we don't need that. Yeah, we don't need Less to be creative. Us. We don't need to be um, able to do something because AI is already doing it. Kind of it, scary. It's a,
3: it's, a, it's a debate I think we're going to have for a long time.
0: I think so, too, yeah. because some yeah. of us would argue AI will teach us lots as well.
1: Some of us, like the people who are editing these things are are doing it. But how about the people who aren't?
0: Well, that's where our teachers will have to be passing that on to us and utilizing AI as it lives with us. That's it's yeah. it's an interesting thought, and like you say, very much I can understand the debates. A Russian code was found in thousands of American apps, including the CDC's. Ooh, ooh. what's this, John?
3: Yeah, this is a uh, a concerning uh, wow. development that there was a company called um, Push Whoosh. I think I'm saying that right? Um, that basically is uh, they 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 do coding for apps, and there's pieces of their code in and apparently over eight thousand different apps on the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. What's concerning about it is that this company's code is in a lot of very interesting places, like the CDC's app, um, and it turns out this company has been kind of misrepresenting themselves. Uh, they don't actually have uh, a U.S. presence and they have fake street addresses that are basically just drop boxes for emails and uh, or uh, email or mail. Mm-hmm. And they don't even have employees that work in the U S they have fake profiles on LinkedIn. And it's, it's all being traced back to uh, the firm being located in Siberia and you know, that's fine. There's lots of reasons why a company would want to have sort of uh, a virtual presence in another country just for, you know, tax purposes, uh, access to certain programs that they wouldn't get if they're an international. But the fact that there's all these fake accounts and... Um, just a little sketchy activity, yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: yeah, and um, which you couldn't so do the, 10 years ago if you had faked an address, like allegedly, uh, you know, and we're looking and someone said, Well, where's their base? Where's the company? I want to go speak to someone there, and you pulled up and what there's nothing here, you know, they would be after you. Yeah. Well, and the reporters have gone to some of the addresses of the, of the purported company, and it's like, I don't know this
3: company, it's like a residential address, <laughs> so um, it, it's it's a little concerning, they don't specify which 8,000 apps are using this company. And I also don't really have a good sense of what parts of the app code Mm. is actually from this company. But the concern is, of course, that uh, if they're misrepresenting misrepresenting themselves over here, what else are they misrepresenting or what other rules are they not following in the handling of personal data that's probably being collected by these apps?
0: Wow. And just that infiltration into so many apps, that's, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently
3: it was even uh-huh, in, it there were, some of this code was even in the army's official apps and once mm. they figured this all out uh, they the both the CDC and the army have ditched the company's code from their apps. Ooh.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. I obviously understand the climate we're going to do that anyway, let alone whatever that was telling the app to do or whatever portion of the, whatever the app was you know that was being utilized for that's that's interesting cuz i guess we would never know especially when you talk 8000 apps going to have 8000 different you know functions yeah
1: john the last thing on the list for today is a report that claims that uh repair technicians device repair technicians can snoop on your personal data and then remove their tracks sneaky
3: yeah this is basically confirmation of certain things that I think a lot of people might have suspected. Um, and you know, it's always, it's almost like getting broken into like a robbery when you realize that your personal devices, whether it's a phone or a laptop or whatever have been looked through by somebody else. And if your device is having a problem, you have to take it into a repair center. You have no choice but to give that Person access to your device, uh, especially if you can't even access it to go in and clean it up, or password protect, or do something. Um, but researchers at the University of Guelph they actually did um, a, a bunch of tests at 18 different repair shops across North America, and they've they've t- created a paper called "No Privacy in the Electronics Repair Industry," and they specifically had some. Uh, content on these devices that they took in for repair and they were able to detect that technicians had viewed that content, made copies of that content and removed as best as they could traces that they actually accessed that stuff. Um, And the big problem with a lot of these repair places is that they don't have proper privacy protocols uh, and policies to protect your personal information when their technicians are, fixing your device which is quite troubling
1: yeah and like most of the time right when you have any kind of hardware issue you're just going to find the most affordable place to go to you know like somewhere near you that's super cheap that won't cost you an arm and a leg to get your i don't know your screen fixed or whatever else so you really aren't looking for the the standards anyway like, how how do I know this person isn't going to go through my phone? We don't even think about that.
3: Yeah. And there's lots of motivations that they would do that, you know, and we, there's actually been examples of, uh, of employees at these various companies that have been uh, arrested because they were – uh, they accessed certain people 's say photos, and they yeah. were posting them online and it was able to be traced back Jeez. to them mm-hmm. you know that 's a huge invasion of privacy. Um, some companies though, like Samsung, have introduced repair mode for their devices, which basically puts it into like a guest yes. mode, mm-hmm. so it locks away that stuff but that 's assuming you can even access your device to put it into that mode that 's the problem you know if you right, smash your right. screen, you can 't do anything about it of your personal privacy to people because you're just trying to get something fixed
1: it would be so much easier for all of us if we could just go directly to samsung or directly to google or directly to apple but that is often than not the case more often than not
3: that's right
1: john thank you so much you're welcome sorry to
0: leave on a on a fun fun note (laughs)
1: I know. Next time we'll flip it around. Uh, She's going to use the algorithm to write a Black
0: Mirror episode, you know, so it doesn't really matter. It's already
1: out there, man, (laughs) when they recreated that dead person. Anyways, John Beeler will be back next Friday for more app
0: updates. We'll step aside for a couple of moments. Karen McGee, uh, she actually attended the Paratuff competition in Montreal earlier this month. We'll get her impressions after this. You know, you, you always hear people say, oh, well, that, that storyline has been done before. And and it's really interesting because, Ramya, as, as we think about the algorithm that we talked about right off the top, the using AI to write those blog posts and so on, and you stop and say, well, of course, if it's imitating, recreating... And it has enough information. It, it it basically knows. Yeah, well, this is the ones that these Kelly and company people write. So I'll just write the same and just put that right information yep. in, and it'll look the same as yesterday's, the day before, and so on. Um, and and as as John was saying, doing that with poetry, which I never really thought of. That's true. You, you, I mean, I think you got to put the idea. What I want to write a poem about spring, and have that support. But as you get thinking about how many of these versions of stories like this as we say, ooh, that's creepy and looking for, but we've seen that before, as you say, on Black Mirror, or uh, I might say, yeah, that seemed like an old Twilight Zone episode. It's something familiar, but it's interesting that at those times, just like the algorithm, you're using what you have, what's been inputted to create what you may be doing, the same story that someone Mm -hmm. did 20 years before on another series.
1: Exactly. Yeah, just stretch it a little bit. Yeah stretch it a little bit and and uh, cater it to your time right
0: and at that time it's believable because of the near future you're trying to work within so i i I find that fantastic but i think that's how (laughs) it gets us exactly i think that's how they get us and it scares us really easy Mm -hmm. mcgee you're like me you remember all these like twilight zones and things like that that were designed to kind of make you think and they just stayed within enough of a realm to say This is possible if you think of the future once we gather this kind of intel together. Welcome back to the show as we uh, visit uh, with Karen McGee out in the Ottawa area where she's got all sorts of great information for us. She is our uh, AMIA content development specialist in that neck of the woods. Welcome back.
5: Kelly, I'm old enough Uh that I used to belong to the Twilight Zone VHS tape of the Month Club.
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm not old. You could be a little older. You could belong to the beta, you know, uh, instead of VHS. She's a collector. (laughs) I think she was
5: collecting VHS. Yeah.
0: Uh, What was your favorite episode of Twilight Zone?
5: Oh, I like the one where all the guy wanted to do was read and he broke his glasses. Because I love to read. And he was like left alone on Earth. Yeah. And so he had all the books and all the time, but he broke his reading glasses. And then he was pooched.
0: (laughs) And there was no one to fix it. Nope. Yeah.
5: So we stuck alone on Earth. That's tragic. And
1: and some of those episodes,
0: when you had these episodes, Rami, I find in any show where there's one character and Twilight Zone and maybe Alfred Hitchcock presents or or Night Gallery was another one that would do this. And when it was one character, man, they were creepy. I
1: have a question. Did you watch it well without audio description?
0: Was it good? Uh, well good, enough. Without... I I had some audio well description enough? called uh, Dad oh, or Mom. or
1: Right. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Family watching. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, back then. But d- definitely you were left to a lot of your interpretation, especially these as we talk about one-handers with, you know, like this character in, in Twilight Zone that Karen's speaking of. But there there was also just a feeling of an ominous feeling with those shows. Right, Karen? They didn't have the technology mm-hmm. we do now with the music and some of the effects, but they were still could be really creepy.
5: The music did a lot of it, as did a lot of the camera shots. And one of the things I learned in school is how to make things seem creepy with point of perspective with the camera. And I can't remember all the tricks, but like, just like the way they would pan or zoom or even cut mm. can add that element of um, anxiety and angst to a show.
4: Yes. And like the panic sure.
5: look around the room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, the old stuff was great. I've been watching some old older movies recently. And you forget how much they used to rely on like the the pacing and and like the dramatic pauses. Mm.
0: And mm.
5: Things they don't do in movies now.
0: No, no, and 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 it took not just the director to shoot it that way. It took a lot in the post and director sitting there and let's keep that in. Let's get that pace moving. The the right person cutting it. Wow. Um, your first item here today, we probably should get into because we actually were speaking about this on the program before it happened uh, earlier this month. You attended the uh, Paratuff competition in Montreal. What takes place at this event?
5: So this is really cool event. Karen, um, I, uh, the, the director of production, I can't remember what her title is now production and programming. There's a case
0: of that going on, not remembering everyone's full title. It's, it's funny how it works.
5: It's, Friday, um, so <laughs> we went. to We were in Montreal for some meetings on November third, and we went to the event just to sort of see what happens because we'd heard about them but we'd never attended before. And it's basically the big primary fundraiser for the Paralympic Foundation of Canada. Um, the one in Montreal had sixteen teams competing in para sports, which included sitting volleyball, wheelchair basketball, and para ice hockey. They weren't on a rink surface, but they had them on like um, inline skates. Oh, wow. The, uh, the, nice. the, sledges were like on inline skates. It's probably mm-hmm. the best way to describe it. Um, so the teams competed, they get points for wins, um, additional points rewarded for the amount of fundraising. My really favorite part, like Karen and I sort of sat down in, um, in a fireside chat section where the teams who weren't competing at the time, so you kind of got to buy each round, um, got to basically sit and know the para athletes who benefit from some of the funds raised. And they, they, you know, had a chat with them, ask them questions, hear their stories. Um, Ten para sport athletes were on site. Um, when they weren't doing the fireside chats, they were coaching at the various sports. It was really great to see the interaction and camaraderie from the teams, and you could tell everybody was having a lot of fun. And the interaction really meant a lot. A lot of the teams who compete are, you know, um, Pfizer is one of them. They had like three or four teams in there, and they're the major sponsors for Paralympics. So having them there to sort of meet the meet the athletes, and it was funny. We were talking to some of the the staff from Paralympics canada and they they were saying that for these teams that come in to participate what really means a lot is the photos they get with the athletes right and these photos are displayed prominently in the offices you know like we'll attend things all the time and have photos taken and not all of them are used but these photos mean a lot to these teams who who participate which goes a long way to say how important these events are in creating that relationship between the sponsors. And the team.
0: Because it speaks so much for what's going on, what's what's needed, and what they're doing to make people who, well, I'm not sure I understand, or what, like they say, the, the photo can speak a thousand words. How much money was raised?
5: So this is the first pair of top in three years, and they were able to raise $120,000. The right. entry fee for each team is $5,000. So the teams did a lot of individual fundraising to get to that amount. Um, there are some more events coming up. There's one scheduled for February 9th in 2023. Can you believe it'll be 2023 in a couple of months? A mm-hmm. couple a few weeks. Um, and then in, um, that's going to be in Calgary. And then Toronto on March 22nd. Um, and just FYI, Toronto holds the overall record for the most raised at a single event with 132,000 at its last event that was held in early March 2020. Wow. And then Whoa. the world, then the world turned upside down.
0: Well, that's it. And and but yeah. but that's not shabby, like really when you talk about money even at the Montreal event. Did you guys try anything? Did you tr- did you get in a sledge?
5: No, we weren't going to, but we're talking that we maybe we want to put a team in A and Matt and AMI team in, in the Toronto event. We'll see. i to
0: talk That'd to marketing cool. about that. That'd be cool. That'd um, be cool.
5: I'd see I'd love to see, you know, um David Arrington try it out. Yeah. Ron Melville.
0: Get them yeah. out there trying yeah, it. I think he'd be totally into it. They would.
5: I, I know David's yeah. very competitive, so I bet you we could get him into it.
0: So oh, yeah. We'll I think so. Did he get is... in a
5: go-kart with you, Kels? Like that's
0: Just that? one uh, step up. What did Dave? Did what? Sorry?
1: He got in a go-kart with you or something like no, that? No, he
0: got in an actual car with you. Race me. car. Yeah. Oh, actually, race car. Yes. Raced. Okay. Yeah, there you yeah. go. But I, I did do the sledge thing out there on the canal in Ottawa. And uh, it was Ooh. fun. Me and one of the uh, a pair of athletes went out, and we did it for blindsided. And we were doing it on the actual canal when it was frozen. So it, it was it was a lot of fun and a really interesting experience. I I, I quite enjoyed you know giving it a try. So I, I, that's why I wondered if you guys had.
5: You know me, I would have loved to it, but they were like these teams are very competitive as well. Oh yeah. Um. So we weren't going to interfere no, with their you, competition. No. Like this, you, this is a competition for these teams. I would not have gotten
1: hurt. I'm a top. <laughs> Perita, I'm very tough. <laughs> uh, Karen, let's talk about Julia Lane. She had a lot of success at the World Down Syndrome Swimming Championships last month. Can you tell us about her quickly?
5: So, Julia, who's only 22, won gold in both the 50 meter and 100 meter butterfly, silver in the 50 meter, and bronze in the 100 meter, 200 meter, and 800 meter freestyle, which is a total of six medals. If you weren't keeping count, that's pretty amazing. She was the only Canadian female swimmer to medal at the event, and she, the event was held in Albuferia, Elf, Oh Elf, no, I got the Albufeira, Portugal. That's a very tough city to say. My my bad. Um, so Julia started swimming out of the Windsor Aquatic Club in 2014 after watching her sister compete. She's fallen in love with the sport. She has a team around her that supports her. Her parents are very involved. She's nutritionists and trainers. Um, she now belongs to the Paralympic team. Um, with the Windsor Aquatic Club and she also swims with the LaSalle Windsor Special Olympics so swimming has become a very part of her life in the last few years and obviously she's having a lot of success no
1: kidding and probably a lot of fun too so any next steps and next things
5: that she's looking forward to so she's looking ahead to hopefully making the team to compete in the 2024 World Down Syndrome Swimming Championships that are set to take place in Italia, Turkey. These are really exotic oh, places cool. that they get to travel to, which is probably a lot of the fun for the athletes. Um, and with our recent success, I mean, I think she stands a pretty good chance. I'm not a swimming aficionado. My niece is on the varsity team at her high school. She, she would probably be able to tell me if this is very good, but I think it is. It sounds like she's doing really well.
1: So we know that you, like, float around with your book um, <laughs> by the, the nearby river, but do you actually swim? Do you enjoy swimming?
5: I I used to I competed for a couple of years swimming, but we would have to train in the river, and then we would have the competitions in the pool. So in the river, you're dealing okay. with um, current. There's a lot of current. Yep. There's ships that go by, and then all of a sudden you get to a pool and there's no current. And I had a problem when I competed is I was so used to dealing with the current that I couldn't swim no straight in the lane. There's I thought no it would current. be easier. Go, it was. You could go faster, but I. I would go crooked because I was so used to swimming with, like, having to fight a current,
1: the resistance. Was, um, yeah,
5: I'm not wow. the bright. I'm not always. I'm not always the smartest person in the room. And I, it, I would, I did backstroke, and I would like, I would hit my lane all the time. She was too strong. Long. You were too can strong. Somebody for the pool. can
0: somebody get that to the other end and send some push on the water? Just send some water this way. Get a current going. Ah, wow. Yeah. Uh thank you. But you get used.
5: You, yeah, you get used to one way, right? You get used to something. So yeah, I, it, I did. I, I, I didn't last long.
0: And lots would have thought it'd be the other way. Our content development specialists join us on Wednesdays and Fridays here on the program. Ahead in the next hour of the show, starting in 2023, Amazon will start showing Goodreads reviews and ratings in the app when searching for ebooks and audiobooks. Ryan Huey, he'll give us that scoop. Also, let's get the conversation recaps and comment on segments from the past week on Cut for Time. Up next, Margaret Weldon sits in for Bill Shackleton with the buzz. Welcome back to the second hour of the program. Romeo Muthan. She's at the home studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald here at the home studio in London, Ontario. Um, when I did the, uh, it wasn't para tough. We were doing an episode of, of Blindsided and giving a try getting into, you know, right there on, um, on the water uh, frozen water, of course, and, uh, trying it out using the equipment paddling, uh, not paddling, but, uh, trying to move myself around. That's why I was wondering if, if Karen and them had tried using the sled and moving about because it's, it's fascinating and, you know, amazing what people can do when they're in sport competing, playing a game and it just like, like, wow, look at the move, the sledge it's, it's wild.
1: Honestly, I, I think that the more we ex- exposure we have to parasport in general, um, the the less and less we will react, you know, like amazingly. But the thing is, it's still athletic. It's still elite it's still athleticism. It's amazing. So, and I think, I think that's the incredible. lesson.
0: And that's why you want to pay the 5000 to get in there, to get people recruited, to get people interested, but more so those photos. So people get some idea. And if they get a chance to check it out, see the equipment, they wow. Uh, This this is this is and you start realizing the bona fide sport that they are not just something for somebody to occupy time, but how folks this is how people not just have fun, but compete and get active and and getting active for every single one of us as much as possible uh, is important. And when you have people on that higher elite level uh, as an athlete, that's for the pleasure of all of us to enjoy watching them perform work and compete. We'd like to um remind you that Wednesdays through Fridays we have a segment here beginning our second hour called The Buzz. Filling in for Bill Shackleton on our Fridays for the next little while is Margaret Weldon. Margaret, welcome back.
4: Well, hello the two of you. And um you you've got lots of interesting content on there today, I must say. <laughs> oh,
0: very fascinating discussions too. And you've got a few things for us as well.
4: Yes, and um so we're gonna we're gonna take a, a, a unique look at some food today. So um I guess the first thing I'm going to talk about today is the fact that salads, that restaurants across Ontario are pulling, and I've I've done some other research, as a matter of fact, um, and learned that this is happening in other provinces of uh, Canada too, that uh, restaurants and fast food places are pulling pulling salads off the menus because lettuce is just costing too much. They're saying that even though they know that... um, you know, people like to have a choice of uh, healthy greens or leafy greens uh, with their meal. Um, you know, somebody's only going to pay so much for a salad before they just say, okay, you know what, no, enough's enough. Yet Especially the unattractive either, gonna salad.
0: It. If if the yeah. lettuce is wilty, which I'm, I've heard tell that you're not getting your normal nice salad crisp and, oh, that looks great, you're getting real soggy, sour looking, if you can find it since the the crop in California was so affected this year
4: yes and and I, I i I think that that is part of it too. Um, I looked at something this morning um a, a restaurant in Sudbury, Ontario, which is uh, up northern Ontario, showed a bill that they received for one hundred and nine dollars for a carton of lettuce yikes, and they say that 's quadruple the price like that's three times more the price than what they would normally pay for it i don 't know i I have never been one to order. Um, a salad from a restaurant. Like to me, I I I always think, gee, a salad I could always have at home. <laughs> if I quote I I want to have. You obviously never good, had the fetauch
1: salad from a Middle Eastern restaurant, but anyways, it's fine, it's okay. <laughs> You've never had <laughs> but that's parsley. It's an, the Fattouche salad, which is a, a Middle Eastern salad that's very very delicious, but they use parsley, so it's not even relevant. I was just thinking of a salad. Well, actually, like. it
4: could be Ramya, because um. You know, one of the, uh, we, we had a columnist from Restaurants Canada say that a lo- some restaurants are actually considering looking at seasonal produce, um, such as kale and maybe parsley. I know parsley is a big thing in the summertime. I also know that parsley is often used as decoration on a plate, too, you know, in the wintertime. So, yeah, maybe you're, you're I, I don't want to mispronounce it. What's, what's the name of the salad again?
1: Uh,
0: the Fatoosh? Yeah, the Fatoosh salad. Yes,
4: Fatoosh yeah, salad might be, you know, might might be a good option to go to.
0: Well, again, Um, I think you you still run into certain problems with some of the salads that are that are out there that they're just saying, you know, hey, why are we going to spend that much? money? Now, a a lot of them, if you ask how long is this going to be this way, they're saying a month or so. I mean, again, things order if people stop ordering and then go back to it. okay, that's one thing. But I think they're waiting for the, the crops in Arizona to come through.
4: I think so. I, I think so. That's what they seem to think. Yes, yes. And uh, now, what about you, Kelly? Do you order a salad when you go to, into a restaurant?
0: Um, yeah. Well, I won't generally order if it comes with it. Definitely, I'm not aii I'm not a huge salad person. Mainly because I'm not. I'm that person that says, "Oh, I don't care how much lettuce is. I don't like lettuce. I'd rather have something other than lettuce or a different kind of lettuce." Um, but it, it's interesting, Margaret, because you say that you would not order. A salad. There are there are people who won't like I'm not a person who would who'd want macaroni and cheese. Where some people would say, "Oh, I love good macaroni and cheese," or certain sandwiches in a restaurant. Yeah. I might say, I can, "I'm not going to order grilled cheese. I can have that at home, right?" It, it, yes, it's something. It, it and I think we all have that certain thing where we may feel that way, and it doesn't mean there's anything wrong. We'll say you could have any of these things at home, but it seems yeah. so funny how some things you'll you'll draw the line at.
4: Yes, yeah, that's true. That that's very very true. Um, now let's take food in a different direction for a minute. American customers are one step closer to seeing lab-grown food, or sorry, lab-grown meat, on their grocery store shelves. Oh boy! Now this meat is is uh, made from the cultured cells of animals by a company in California named Upside Foods, and a spokesperson says that the product will actually take a lot less water and use a lot less land than, say, raising seafood, um, poultry for your, you know, chickens for your poultry or your fish or your red meat would would require. So in other words, it would be more environmentally friendly to uh, eat this lab-grown meat. I don't know how it will taste or how it will look, um, but the Food and Drug Administration has given the go-ahead for this meat to be produced and I guess sold in certain grocery stores, so that'll be something I guess we keep tuned into too. Would you guys consider that?
0: Well,
1: yeah, we I, talked about it. Yeah. Right, Kels? Oh, yeah. A, a couple yeah, of times here on the show. Yeah. But this one specifically I remember because we were talking about is it gonna taste like chicken? Is it gonna look like chicken? Like we're not <laughs> so many people will be extremely not about trying it if it doesn't look like the meat we're used to. So or that's as soon what we were wondering. Yeah, I know. Like you manufactured know, I, meat. Yeah. Um but you know, if it if it looks like for example, ground meat. I don't think they're going to create like a whole chicken breast or thigh out of this, right? Like a, a roast. But if you can make it look like ground meat, maybe. I you eat all kinds of things now. Well,
0: we we do. It's certain ways of, of wording things, I think, make the difference, the certain look of something because lots of people who can see will say, oh, no, I, that looks horrible. I'm not going to eat that. I, I do think this is going to be a little more of a struggle. I would just like to know and again, this is maybe the silliest thing to say because I have no concept of how they do it um, and how do you approve it for, yeah, go ahead, guys, you can continue your work and sell the product. You know, where we stop and say, well, hold on, what, what, what makes it a, a good for us to have? What tests, what, what confirm that you find it safe enough for us to eat? And then one would argue, well, what's there to indicate it's not safe? Like you just said, you know, <laughs> yeah. we we could argue it both ways, but at the end of the day, well, why would they approve something that? And we take all sorts of other things that later on down the way we say, yeah, man, I shouldn't have been eating that or ingesting that because it, it's bad for you. Like it, there are things we voluntarily take in, knowing oh, drinking all these sodas, yeah, enjoy all that sugar, and 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 the things that we do. So I I don't know. I feel sometimes so hypocritical.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of have the same thoughts that you do, Kelly. You know, well, okay, if if the Food and Drug Administration is saying it's safe, what doesn't, you know, what doesn't make it safe? And then I kind of wonder, well, what if it doesn't smell exactly the same? What yeah. if it doesn't have the same? Yeah, texture? I don't think the, the the
0: the. I mean, as much as it should be, the environment is absolutely important. And when you talk about leaving that much of a, you know, a lessening the footprint um, of yeah. of what what this could do for our, our society. Um, I think then the next thing we would say is, oh, but, but, but what about the nutrients? Yeah, but you don't worry about that when you're eating dessert. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
4: so, I never thought about all that sort of thing. Yeah,
0: I, I think it makes you argue with yourself if you're trying to be fair, whereas other people just like the... You know, um, the, the the vegetarian food that some people, the meat eaters, don't want to eat, or 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 the meat that's made of, of vegetable products. So, you're you're if you're a non meat eater, but you're still eating meat, and you stop to. But why am I doing that? And I've always said I would just like it if we just classified it as another food item. Never mind meat. Yes. Never mind vegetable. Never mind because that seems to make me stop and think. Yeah, but this is something they're calling meat, but it's not made from meat. I don't want it.
4: Yeah. Yeah, you're quite right there. Yeah. Mag,
0: do you All want right. to squeeze your last item in? I know yes, you want to squeeze I, your last it's, item it's,
4: it's, <laughs> in. Yes, I do. Um, it's a, it's the return of a holiday tradition after two years of being on hiatus due to the pandemic. The, San, the Toronto Santa Claus Parade is returning to the streets live this coming Sunday, November the 20th. If people want to watch it on TV, they can live stream it on CP24 on Sunday, or they can... Um, Watch it on CTV Network on Saturday, December the 3rd at 7 p.m. Eastern. Now, if people are going to go to the parade, it's recommended that they use Go Transit or the TTC. It starts at 12.30 Eastern. It goes all through downtown. There's going to be 26 floats, including a new Indigenous persons float, which will be kind of neat to see. There will be the Celebrity Clowns, Mr. Mrs. Sa- Mrs. Claus, a lot of marching bands, and of course, the jolly old man himself. So I've got my hot chocolate and marshmallows all ready to go for this Sunday afternoon. I'm going to live stream it from here.
0: And Rumya, you're too far north on Young for it to affect you guys and and the CNIB Mm. function. But I have to say, I've had the opportunity to play Santa Claus a couple of times, once for a play, another time for an episode of ATW. Uh, have either of you had that character of Christmas, whether it's Mrs. Claus, whatever, that you would just absolutely love to walk into and cheer up a bunch of kids, whether you're playing a reindeer or what? Either either you have something Aww. that you'd get a kick out of.
1: That'd be fun if I was like part of a presentation as an elf or something. That would be cute. I like the elf for the reindeers. Yeah? Yeah.
0: Come in and yeah. just, hey, look, and, and have that fun and, and bring that spirit. That's awesome.
4: I have a pair of reindeer re- reindeer ears, as a matter of fact.
1: Mm, there you go,
0: uh, Margaret. What's yeah. your favorite you Christmas song?
4: What's my favorite Christmas to- song? Yeah. I, I have several. Um,
0: Just one though. We've got to get going.
4: I I, I like the Rudolph the Red nosed Reindeer. That's a good one.
0: Of course yeah. you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like I still will always love Frosty the Snowman and his line, "Happy birthday!" You know, when the hat lands on his head, love it. Yes, Thanks, that's Max. my favorite Christmas. Yeah. Margaret Weldon Mm -hmm. filling in for Bill Shackleton here on The bus. She'll be doing this on Fridays. We'll talk to you next week, Margaret. And Rummy and I will step aside for a couple moments. Time for the Chatty Bookshelf. Ryan, who is with us next. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I have to recover from, <laughs> I have to recover from, as soon as it went quiet, before our music started, we got the friendly, remember I'm still here, in the form of a, I don't know if that went out over the air, you folks. He's still going. Heard... Is he still I'm just <laughs> muted. I just like that. It's like he knew. Oh, there's no music playing now. Hey folks! And of course, we know that's his greeting telling us. <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. Don't forget me. Folks, uh, you can call in. Leave us a message if you'd like. 1-866-509-4545. Best way to do that. Mention it's for Kelly and company if you would, and give us permission to use your message on air, 1-866-509-45. On Twitter, you can follow along at AMI Audio. Rummy is at all rams with a Z. I'm at AMI Kelly Mac. And uh, if you wish as well, send a message to the gang at Communications and Marketing. Maybe you've got questions about AMI TV, AMI Tele, or AMI Audio feedback at AMI.ca. Romeo Muthin and Kelly McDonald. Is he still barking? Are you oh, not my even
1: I didn't even <laughs> default on mute. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, on Fridays, we like to talk audiobooks. Uh, and of course, we get recommendations. But the fun stuff is talking newness in the audiobook world and trends and things that are happening. So we bring on Ryan Hui on Fridays for the Chatty Bookshelf. And Ryan, it's a big celebration in the audiobook mm. world right now. How are you?
6: Good. No, I'm, I'm great. Thanks for asking guys, but I just wanted to circle back. So I remember, uh, there was one time where, uh, we didn't, we didn't catch you and put you on mute and uh, guide dog, Joe got blamed. I uh, was getting text messages. Hey, I listened <laughs> to your segment. I heard Joe barking. I'm like, that wasn't Joe, yes. but I was just like, Oh, it was, yeah. it, was it was like, actually God.
1: that day that I decided <laughs> that I will mute. I don't want any dogs to take the blame for glizzy.
6: No, it's just funny though, because I was just like, yeah, (laughs) that was him. Like I didn't, I didn't want to throw any other dogs under the bus, but no, you're right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a dog lover, but, uh, you're right. It is a big celebration. So I got the date wrong, but as of yesterday, our friends at Audible turned 25. So Audible has been around for 25 years now. They've been delighting audiobook listeners with, Anything and everything. And we know all of the changing in programming and all the new introductions um, that have come over the past couple of years. So, you know, happy birthday, Audible, because... I love you, and I spend way too much money on you, but it's it's great, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to continue to to buy those audiobooks, So everybody out there, um, that is the original Audible.com. But uh, since then, they have reached out, and they are in tons of different uh, marketplaces now: the UK, India, Canada, uh, Mexico is another one, uh, some South American countries, uh, Asian countries too. So they're they're worldwide now, and. Like I said, 25 years, there's a ton of audiobooks out there for listening.
0: Wow. A couple of things here. Uh, first of all, I was a little premature in the last segment, so on behalf of Frosty the Snowman, happy birthday, Audible. Uh, 25 years. Ryan, does it seem like that to you? What? When did you first ever become involved with Audible? Like, it, 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 We talk about this explosion since we've been doing Kelly and Company of audiobooks. And I don't want you to suggest for a moment, well, isn't that once we started? Isn't oh, that when Audible started? 25 years. Ph- phenomenal. And I understand different things looked different, totally different type of company back then. But we're looking, you know, before the turn of the century.
6: And you know what, we're looking back and they're actually doing some things back to their roots. So I just found some things today. And so they're like, here's the first audiobook that we had on our on our shelves. And just the sound quality compared to what it is now. Um, and that was the best that was available at the time, right? But to answer your question, uh, my first audiobook purchase was in 2010. Uh, wow. That was before I lost my vision uh, and... Uh, it oh, was kind okay. of uh, about six months before then, and I started listening. And it was, you know, driving to and from school and stuff. And it's like I got a long road trip. What I'm sick and tired of the music. What can I do? And podcasts were kind of a thing back then, but not really, right? So uh, it was, hey, let's purchase an audiobook, download it on your uh, your iPod, and and go from there. So 13 uh, years I, in, wow, right? Yeah. So they were well. I mean, they were. They, they were around much before uh, I, I bought my first audio book.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because of so I, I don't remember because what I obviously I used audio books for the resources that I've used them um, since I was nine, 10 years old, of course. But back then I, I heard more about Kindles and things like that going on. And that that was taking center stage.
6: No, and you know what, they're still around. And yeah. you know what, oh, yeah. Kindle is actually kind of uh, in the news uh, recently, too. Um, they're on the launch of their brand new, I don't even know what one that Kindle five, Kindle nine, uh, th- there was a number there. And uh, I don't have one. So I'm, I'm not too uh, familiar with that. But I got a question for you guys. Who do you think owns Goodreads? The the app where you can it's kind of like Facebook, but for book lovers?
1: I go on, you know what the funny part is? I use Goodreads all the time to get quotes and uh, to prep things for AMI audiobook review, the podcast, but I have no idea. I just Google
0: it. No idea. I mean, I (laughs) don't even use it for reviews.
1: I think that's what people use it for, right? Mostly.
0: I think when you say we're going to be
6: like, oh, oh, maybe. Yeah. You're not going to believe it, but I didn't even know this and I'm ashamed to say it, but it's Amazon. Amazon owns Goodreads. And I couldn't believe it when I found that out. And this next part will make sense to you. But because Amazon owns it, what they're going to start doing in 2023 is including Goodreads ratings. So when you're on Goodreads and you finish, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird, you give it one through five stars. And they're going to be including those on the Kindle and on the Amazon marketplace for books and eventually for audiobooks. But they're starting out in 2023 with with, with books.
0: Hmm. Who who started Goodreads, though? Because Amazon bought it, didn't they? Yeah, they did buy I'm
6: not quite sure who started it. Uh, they were just talking about the yeah. here and now in, right. in the article. So um, I think this is cool because it kind of gives another sort of outlet, right? Because I'm, you know, people can just, it's easy enough to click stars, and and you never really know just when you thought you might not want to do that anymore. Yeah. This gives you a little bit more of an incentive because now they're going to be posted more large-scale But I think that uh, they're going to even branch out into the reviews. So right now it's in the beta testing. So they have it's it's available to some, but not all. And I don't know how they're choosing this. Uh, So some people are saying, I don't see it. I don't see it. But other people are saying it's right there. So what's going on is when you see the title, it'll say, oh, this book has been rated 1,000 times and it'll have a, a rating to the to the right of that but then to the right of that will be a blue rating and that will be your Goodreads rating. So there's going to be a little bit of discrepancy maybe it's a 3.5 on the Kindle, but maybe it's a 4.2 or, or you know vice versa on the, the Goodreads based on on the ratings there. But I was looking through some of the books on my Goodreads shelf and there's a ton of ratings. Uh, Even for newer ones that have only been released, you know, one or two weeks, they're already in the hundreds. So I think this is a really good move by Amazon to do this and to give just another outlet to for people to see what others think about this book, because a lot of people do base their purchases on that stuff.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, it's it's how it is with a lot of things, right? You want to see if things are trending, if other people uh, like the book, or and this is a very simple way to do it. You don't have to go scroll through many written reviews and pages and pages of it. You just see a number and decide based on that.
6: You're absolutely right. Shallow, but true. No, it's so it's so accurate, and I think the interesting part about this is when they incorporate the Goodreads reviews, so when I upload a review to Goodreads, they're going to incorporate that into, let's say, the Audible reviews or the the Kindle reviews, uh, so mm-hmm. when this does come worldwide, it's going to be available for everybody to see, so it's kind of giving another jump off for someone like myself, if I want my reviews to be, you know, head, head of the table, right, you, they're going to get a lot more views, but... I'm curious how they're going to decipher, right? Hey, is this one that was posted on Audible or is this one that was posted on Goodreads? Because you know there's going to be a way and if there's a way to kind of integrate both of them. So I think it's a really cool idea. And they own
1: all of it. They own Audible and Goodreads, so it means that they've got all of it
6: and let's let's face it they have the money yeah they have the money to to say okay we need to introduce this coding or that coding or hire this person to or make a new job to Mm -hmm. to say hey you're responsible for this so i think it's going to be really cool um, it's rolling out in, it will be in the US only for, I believe, the first couple of months is what they're looking at. But they're looking by April to kind of move this worldwide. And they're saying sooner the better. They want it worldwide as quickly as possible. So I think once they work out those first few bugs, uh, we're going to start seeing some some numbers pop up on our Kindles and uh, eventually on Audible and, and the other apps that uh, Amazon uses.
1: And this is not going to be limited to people using Amazon's publishing right
6: no but they said that okay. uh for the first few so not all books are incorporated in, in it as of now but they're look I, I think they're just right the upload speed is just not quick enough for right yeah. the billions of books out there um th- that have been rated right so i think what's going to happen is they're going to give priority to those uh self-published amazon titles and some of the bigger kind of publishers your harper collins or your you're penguin audio that those sorts of things and then they'll get down into the more indie uh, books and they'll get placed
0: on there and and they'll go from there
1: okay. be interesting
0: and it's see, all available mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see with the ratings that at, at people give now and you know how that gets people more participating or the mechanisms. So that you're getting those proper ratings based on, um, and I don't know now, I don't know a lot about how that's figured out, but you you hope they're the credible ratings, not I thought it was a terrible book. And that'd be, you know, you give it, a, you, you want ratings that speak to the quality of book. you know there are so many things that you could just say it's a slow read for me you know um and and things like that, but i I don't know how much that matters or if you just think it's it's a bad book because it's too long and multiple people think that it it can bring down what that review is or rating of that book.
6: No, you're absolutely right. And that's a big thing in the rating world, especially on Goodreads. Uh, There's something called rating bombing and they will specifically give a negative review to a book so that it doesn't show up on bestsellers lists and that it messes with the algorithms. And then let's say the the reviewer will go make a fake profile with a different email address and do it again. So now what they're doing is there's two step verification and you can only create one Goodreads account per email. So I can't have four associated with, um, you know, my email account and I'm just giving bad reviews because I don't like the author. Or I have a personal vendetta against the narrator or something mm-hmm. like that. So it's kind of becoming more of a thing. Uh, but, you know, what? I think that uh, they're going to kind of nip it in the butt with with this a, a little bit there.
0: So will there be a different ratings um to, or sets of ratings based on if you're using Kindle or if you're using audible for an audio book. So that things such as narrators, such as guy reading style or the, the, the look of it that you might enjoy on a Kindle versus the sound of that, that, that narrator, things like that, that'll be also part of the, part of the equation or, or really will it just be based on the book, the content? I I think
6: there's going to have to be. Um, so even when you look at your audible ratings, you have, They rate you overall rating, story, and narration. So it's a little bit different. You have three different ratings all out of five, whereas Goodreads is just rate this book out of five and you give it a one through five. I think that they're going to start out with the simplistic form of that, but I think what they're going to do is have to move into something a little bit different when you get into the audiobook. I think this might even drive up Kindle ratings. Mm -hmm. So if you have a book, let's say there's four ratings on the Kindle, but there's 4,000 on the Goodreads, I I think that um, that's going to push some more people or push uh, some sort of incentives through Amazon to be like, hey, look at, we're getting outrated by. 4,000 people on one book, like how, yeah. how is this? I, I think that there's going to be some competition there. And I think that there's, it's going to drive up, um, ratings on, on the site and traffic to, to the site, which is good for our narrator friends, which is good for our indie book authors and, uh, some of our indie, uh, uh, publishers.
0: Yep. yep. Interesting argument, because one would argue, all I want is a rating is this book, good or bad. You know, it had nothing to do with the way it looks, the way the length, or just, is it a good book? And I and I think that's where sort of the argument of those who have been with Goodreads forever they may argue that that what's it matter if the narrator's great? We're talking the book, exactly.
6: And you know what? I think the important thing here is that we're not going to make everybody happy, right? In the whether in the rating system and either as even as an author, I was uh, I, I did a couple of things with some authors just recently, and that's what they said. The hardest thing was. Realizing that not everybody's going to love the book as much as they love the books that they put out and there's going to be some people that absolutely despise it and I think they, you know, learning that you're not going to make everybody happy and if you are you're doing something wrong is sort mm-hmm. of um, the, the the way they were looking at it so I think it's the same sort of thing when you're getting into a rating system and that's why yep. typically I won't look at a rating before i read the book and then i'll go back and read them am the total to opposite even if it's highly
1: recommended and <laughs> no, i'm gonna read it no. i look at the rating Ryan, we gotta get you out of here thank you so much
0: have a great weekend guys
1: ryan Huey on the chatty bookshelf
0: me it's just a description of the book what it's about am i interested we're back in a moment with cut for time We're swinging the gateway open to your weekend, but to get you started, because you may want to go back and check out some of the Kelly and Company podcast content from the week. So we're going to settle in here and tell you about a few things. Areas of the show where we may have wanted to say a little more, but of course, time didn't allow us to, and maybe some other items that we want to bring to your attention uh, that were part and parcel to uh, given segments. But let me first tell you subscribe using your favorite podcast platform to the Kelly and Company podcast. You can listen to the show in segment form in case there's that segment that item you want to go back to or hear that contributor or community reporter again you can do it that way or you can listen to the complete kelly and company podcast experience and right there we'll also include the audio vanity card ramia and kelly mcdonald we are the hosts of the show and we welcome back grant hardy of course reporter and producer with kelly and company grant will uh, get to his item in just a moment but uh, we're gonna start uh, as we do with cut for time uh Ramya, you have something that is a little different. We're not going to hear a sample from the segment in question, but something that we didn't get to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So on Tuesday's show, we talked to a young Wang and she comes on monthly, right, to bring up all kinds of discussions. And we really get into some of these Um, She talked about climate change and the particular angle she brought was little things we, you and I, individuals can do to support climate action, right? What are we doing about climate change in our own homes, uh, in our daily lives? And I wanted to read this little bit from her, which is uh, fossil fuel. It's about fossil fuel and our our role about it. Uh, It's played a key role in producing all the materials that build our world and support our living so that we can develop, as we have thus far, to live a good life today industrialized countries have consumed this kind of fossil fuel energy and gone through the development stages using it to become developed countries. Now people in less developed countries want to improve their living standards and are getting access to that to eat more food, have more basic materials, make more money, and live with more convenience and comfort. This is a dilemma that we're facing though. We can't say to people in developing countries, you can't live up to my standards. But if everyone in the world lives the way we're living, the earth just cannot sustain it. So that was Young's opinion and perspective that I read. And here's what she was going to share with us on Tuesday to wrap the segment that we didn't get to. These are ways that we can help the earth. And this is from David Suzuki um shout out to him and all the work he does and all the conversations he brings into this world. And there are 10 of these, but I'll I'll go through them and then we can chat a little bit. Um we can urge the government to take bold, ambitious climate action now. Use energy wisely. You can save money too. Unplug computers, TVs and other electronics when you're not using them. Wash clothes in cold water, hang dry your clothes when we can instead of using a dryer. They're saying uh, green your commute, take public transit, car share, bikes, whatever ways that are not using energy to fuel your commute, consume less, waste less, enjoy life more, eat less meat, buy local, don't waste food, grow your own food, all these kind of things. Support Indigenous-led climate action. This is interesting and very uh, timely in the last couple of years as we talk to more entrepreneurs and business owners and people in the Indigenous communities around us. Invest in renewables and divest from fossil fuels. Eat for a climate-stable planet. Start a climate conversation. Hey, that's what we're doing right now. Mobilize for local climate action. Get politically Active and vote. So that's the end of this list. And I just wanted to say a lot of these um, prompts and things that we can do felt a bit big. For me, you know, it, where do we start to do this? Uh, like, get politically active, right? But then they say, get uh, start voting, uh, mobilize for local climate action. Well, how do we start that? Where do we go from? But really, the important thing for me from this conversation was to realize that it's just one thing, just one thing that you do or that you realize you started doing that values the climate, values our Earth our uh our food or whatever in, in whatever capacity that you see it to just say this is what i'm doing like kelly and i talked about this you know using less plastic bags uh buying more locally looking at where our food is coming from turning off the water turning off the lights all kinds of things and saying this means that i'm taking some action individually in my own life towards a uh, better climate kelly
0: it's interesting because i think back to christine's conversation with us yesterday and and when we talk about having your farms having your places then we fast forward to today in the you know talking about if we started to have meat that was produced in a lab and we're shrinking the footprint of all the farms that are necessary right now to to maintain us to support our food whether it be poultry meat and and, and so on but if we had some things like that to cut down what that might do to the environment We also know that we're hearing not just from countries, not just from provinces or states or whatever it might be. Municipally, a lot of uh, councils are talking about what's our plan, what's our action plan for climate impact in our community, how, what are we doing that adds to the damage to the community, how, what is foreseen that we can do to lessen, our damage, our destructive nature, and encourage people here. What programs, such as recycling ones or or blue boxes and things like that, that uh, they talk about having. So very interesting when we get into some of that. And and again, you could go on for ages. We, we tend to bring out things and think about those little things that we can do. And I, I've always, as I've mentioned on the program before, found that really empowering grant just to think of that one thing I might be able to do when I hear, ah, oh, let's cut back on meat. Well, what? oh, okay, because it is what it is right now, but there are so many things on that list that I think, yeah, that helps, and I'm doing that, or I could.
2: Yeah, I do have some very mixed feelings about this because at the end of the day, yes, I agree. I absolutely agree. I think that we should all care deeply about our climate because we all got our eggs in one basket. This is the only home that we have, but I think... The most important thing to do is that we really need to lobby the big guys, the big policymakers, mm-hmm. the people with private jets, the people who produce and manufacture oil. You know, the the people in power who are profiting from the the, the current situation who aren't really doing anything to kind of get light a fire underneath them and come up with some cleaner sources of energy. So in a, in a way, I think that oftentimes the brunt of the environmental shaming can fall back on kind of the little guy. And we're not, uh, we're not doing enough to really shame the people who are in power into making a difference. At the same time, I absolutely agree. That's such a powerful point about being kind of xenophobic, uh, towards those countries who look, they want to have this exact same standard of living that we do. We got there through coal and, you know, gas and yeah. dirty energy. Who are we to kind of tell them that they can't do the same thing? So again, I think it all comes back to that, uh, really lobbying the, the big guys to make some change while, while yeah. doing what we can as yeah. well.
0: For sure. For great. Yeah, that was, that was great.
2: Um, <laughs> um Yesterday, you guys got to speak with Christian Shaw and his mom, Linda. Christian is the founder of the Kamloops Self-Advocate, which is a publication for people with any disability uh, to talk about some important disability-related themes and to uh, remove uh, stigma about disability. And what I really thought was interesting, as we'll hear in this, Cliff is that Christian, who was born with an intellectual disability, uh, was almost a little bit failed by the uh, education system because his mom said there were some doubts about whether her son would be literate.
4: It uh, was frustrating because the teachers didn't even try to teach him. They said that, uh, oh, the doctors in the report said that he would never be able to read or write, and. And he'd never be able to retain what he learned, so they didn't even try to teach him. And uh, finally, in grade six, at the end of the year, uh, a teacher, one teacher in his whole years of schooling, uh, decided to get him some um, books with short vowel sounds and long vowel sounds from Mm. Costco and uh, taught the kids. And that was the first time that he started to really read at the end of grade six.
2: Yeah, this, this is so interesting to me because obviously I come from a different perspective uh, than he does with a vision rather than an intellectual disability. But, you know, look, we have those specialized uh, teachers who are there to provide their own level of instruction and in Braille and technology and stuff like that. But I've absolutely had those times where you go up to talk to the math teacher and it's oh, you, you can deal with that with your vision teacher. Like, I, I, I'm not teaching mm, you this. Yep. Or, um, you know, it's a question of just like, uh, I don't know whether you should take, you know, biology 12. I, I think you're just going to face a lot of roadblocks in, in this course. Let's give up. So that's one issue. Uh, so I I wanted to ask you guys about that, Ramia. I think it's a, a question of both the issue of inclusion, really encouraging people to reach their potential, but also at the same time, this issue of these important para people and and other specialized educators being cut back
1: Yeah, there's, uh, as I get older, I feel like there's less and less people to support, not even people my age, but people who are younger, uh, who really, really need it. I was blessed. Okay, I I will say from kindergarten to end of grade 12, I had so much support and advocacy uh, and education that I was able to thrive, really. But I The biggest advocate for me and the person at the very beginning was my mother. And that's why this conversation Mm -hmm. like touches me personally, because I know I know how parents work to get their kids to live, you know, to live lives that are meaningful, uh, to socialize. We've talked to so many people, Grant, on this show where um, moms like parents and uh, teachers come out and, and they they've started programs and initiatives and they've helped and support and like grown so that kids with disabilities have somewhere to go, somewhere to someone to be, you know, and it's it's so important. And I think in school, if you don't get that from a young age, if you don't have the parents or the caregivers or the educators who will prioritize your well being, it sucks and it's long term. The effects of that is so it's everlasting. Um so I think that it was incredible for Linda and Christian to to even at that age, right, at twelve, thirteen, mm-hmm. be like, No, we're we're not giving up. We're gonna keep going with this,
0: Kells. Well, Linda talked like my mother and father, that that interest and finding that one teacher that said, Let's let's do this, and not just her son. Let's, as a class, work on this. He wasn't singled out. Everybody needed to work because that teacher isolated that. This is something they're missing out on. It's unfortunate nobody would pick up the ball, but Linda did uh, in the way of the educational system. Linda picked it up for her son. They kept going. Her son wasn't a, I mean, I hated being in school. What do you mean? It's homework time. No (laughs) way. I wanted out of all that. But there was so much push from my parents. Cal, you got to get better at this. I know this is difficult. Hey, Cal, you know, let's spend 10 minutes here working on this. And I think now back to that and the teachers uh, through even college that gave that little extra time. Did I meet plenty that were of the kind that, well, I don't really know what to do with you. I don't know what we do. Tell me how we manage this. And it really dawned on me in school that, my gosh, I got to teach these professors how to teach me. I got to know the course enough to tell them, yeah, in in your second unit, we're going to have this and that. We need to ahead think about this because I'm going to need this supports and so on. How do you go through a, a university or college course and knowing I have to teach the teachers to teach me so I have to know more than the average yes. person going in there and put more of the time in? Yes. So heard so much of that with, with Linda and Christian and and just being able to interview people and put it out there was to me a fantastic thing, but I, I really loved... That that teacher saw that for everyone, nobody being isolated and saying, well, we're doing this, guys, all together for Christian. We're doing this, period. I want to slip this last one in because on Thursday's show, we spoke from our, with our friend from the UK, Fern Lullum. She talked about access uh, barriers regarding museums and cultural heritage sites. Here she is touching on some of those stats.
5: One percent of sites with access information mentioned staff had attended one or more disability awareness courses. Um, this compares to just 10 percent of 2018, so we, we you know we've got a way to go, but we are getting yeah. there.
1: Yeah, well, it is encouraging like you're saying because the numbers are improving, but it still suggests a ton more to do on training and awareness.
5: And this is very topical in the UK at the moment. I saw a story the other day uh, about a guide dog refusal once again. um, It's in the news. A recent story involved a guide dog owner being thrown out of a hotel late at night because staff simply didn't believe that her guide dog was a real guide dog. They thought Mm. it was a fake.
0: So we go back always to the person who's taking advantage of the system. But what I really loved here was the 21% that she mentioned during this talk, and and maybe many of you want to go back and just kind of get an idea. Because as much as we stop and we we look at things such as the schooling piece and, and areas where we could be doing better, as we talked about with climate Here's an area where we've been so frustrated, so offended, the the negative stories are out there all the time, but it's that one spot that we stop and say, well, 21%. A few years ago, that was, you know, 5%. So we're seeing the movement. There's a lot of room to go and a lot of attitudes still to change. A lot of still things just thought, why are we people having these problems? And, but but I kind of like when we have that measuring stick to say that's getting better, just as we do this percentage of shows have audio description. All these are important numbers for, for us to see that growth because, Grant, you can follow to down that dark rabbit hole.
2: Oh, yeah, man. I, I, I don't like to think of myself as, as a nasty person, but I, I hear about, you know, a, a guide dog refusal and it just it just makes my blood boil because I feel like, sure, you can, you can go to the news, you can get your, you know, your 60 seconds or whatever, but before you know it, it, it's all kind of forgotten. And it's hard for me not to approach this situation and be like, I would really like to see like some very punitive sort of measures come to play with businesses. I know that's not always, you know, you, you, but
0: there's gotta be
2: teeth. is the best approach.
0: Yeah, but there's got to be there's teeth in be legislation. legislation.
2: That's the idea. That's Grant, the idea. thank you. I'm, I'm, yeah. Thanks, guys. Happy to know things are improving.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I think we're seeing mm-hmm. that, and I think we have to believe that, or else, like we say, it can get too dark. We'll step aside, ladies and gentlemen. That was our cut for time segment. Check it out via the, the Kelly and Company podcast. We thank Grant Hardy for joining us. Rummy and I will return to tell you what's coming up uh, on our program next week, as well as look at the weekend on AMI Audio. Remember, you can check out the repeat of Kelly and Company 10 p.m. Eastern Time or via the podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. And while you're in there, if you don't mind, give us a rating and review. A lot of great content here at AMI-audio. So we'd like to take a quick peek at the weekend before we carry on. Rummy, you've got a, a bunch of stuff that Andy Frank sent us. Uh, can you give us some highlights?
1: Tons, tons of things going on on AMI-audio during the weekend. So check out, for example, Voices of the Walrus, Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, and then eight hours later, and then eight hours after that. Finding a father on Facebook Marketplace. Interesting. Why prospective prospective parents are turning to social media for sperm donations. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Plus, the air we share. This is a COVID-19 pandemic transforming the way that we think about indoor air quality. Very cool stuff, always. The Guardian Long Read titled the uh, title is the International Monetary Fund Fit for Purpose. So as the world faces the worst debt crisis in decades the need for uh the global lender is the last resort is clearer than ever for many of us but many nations view the imf as overbearing or even neocolonial and are now looking elsewhere for help also you can check out double tap over the weekend noon and 8 p.m eastern time saturday and sunday stephen scott and marco flalo are back chatting about the week that was in tech the fall of the FDX uh, cryptocurrency exchange, keeping kids safe online, and are we finally done with Facebook? Short answer, yeah, I think so. Anyways. David Lepofsky is on the pulse on AMI Audio. This is immediately after AMI Audiobook Review with myself and Nisreen at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. as well, Saturday and Sunday. The AODA Alliance Chair David Lepofsky is talking about what needs to be improved in Bill C 22 and the proposed Canada Benefit, Disability Benefit. All right, you can check that out and also tip. Joita is the one joining us on AMI Audiobook Review this week, and we're talking about the um, accessible making of graphic novels. Pretty interesting conversation with her as well. Check it out.
0: Yeah, we'll mention that she's also, and I'll talk about this in a moment, uh, on our program on Monday to yeah. talk a little bit about The Pulse and how things are going, especially as it's being a, a uh, YouTube podcast available to you. Um, interesting, too, on the state of the indoor air, uh, going back to the walrus, read um, this was this week, maybe last week. They were talking about a study being done here in London, and unfortunately, um, well, fortunately or unfortunately, no matter how you want to look at it, because it's it's a good heads up and something we never really thought about uh, linking it to Alzheimer's. How poor air um, that might be. We've always mm-hmm. said what well, what what is. The big link for us with Alzheimer's and uh, this early preliminary um, study is indicating that some of our polluted air out there uh, may be a culprit that that makes this disease as it has zipped around the whole world. And uh, in full force, uh, we know to 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 see what's going to happen from these studies, because we, we'd love to have some leg up on knowing what links us to that. Ramya, a wonderful uh, another wonderful show, another wonderful week. We'll be ahead next week as we swing open the gateway fully for the weekend. Enjoy yourself. Have fun Sunday and check out that mural and bring us back a report as to what details, especially the audio component.
1: Indeed, I will. You also have a wonderful weekend and we'll catch you back Monday.
0: You betcha. When Michael Babcock joins us on the show on Monday, he's going to fill us in on Smart Glance, a new feature for JAWS that analyzes text information like font and color to highlight visual points of interest on a page. The FIFA World Cup is just days away, and Canada's in for the first time since 1986. We'll get the details with the Neutral Zone's Josh Watson. AMI's original podcast, we just mentioned it, about it being available as a YouTube uh, podcast and available as a podcast. Host Joita Gutta will join us on the show to talk about the evolution of the show on Monday. And uh, all the kinds of conversations that put a spotlight on all kinds of disability conversation. Also, fans of Murdoch Mysteries have a chance to step behind the scenes and experience the history, science, and fashion of the uh, acclaimed program. Community reporter Dennis will fill us in on all that when she joins us from London, Ontario. Holiday time is upon us. Independent Living Skills Specialist Leanne Barda brings us a holiday fun guide on treats, so check that out. Also, the exclusion of students with disabilities from the classroom is a persistent problem. We'll talk about it on Know Your Rights with Danielle McLaughlin. Teching our show this week has been Dan Panamondo and Eliza Rocco. Producers for the show, Grant Hardy, Ramya Muthan, Marianne Dion Jones, visual producer Jeff Ryman, senior producer Matt Agnew, live production manager Paul Dineen, and Andy Frank is our manager. See you later, folks. Now get out of here, will ya? So this is one of those vanity cards where I'm specifically speaking to the folks in Buffalo, in New York, or people who have to deal with snow squalls. Have spoke about it on the program just the other day. And the kind of idea to, to explain to people that we're talking is basically a funnel of snow shooting from the lake inland for miles in a very concentrated area. Oh, I think I, I, geez, I wish I had said that when we were doing the show. I think that's, I hit it there. Generating tons of snow sometimes for a few hours. Sometimes for days, like the poor folks in Buffalo are experiencing right now, where they're expecting potentially up to a hundred centimeters of snow, four possible feet of snow are close to it over the few days. Not to mention it's heavy snow pulling down electrical lines. What a nightmare. But people in Buffalo are used to that. Not to suggest for a moment that's a week, you know, every week event, but They've had those times, and often earlier in the season, late November, early December, to my recollection, being a student at the blind school in Brantford, we'd hear about that as a kid, how being on that side of the lake, the wind coming off, and just burying Buffalo, which is across the lake from Toronto for people who are kind of curious, and we're talking Lake Ontario. So it gets pretty bizarre. I see they've moved the football game to a neutral site, uh so that it's fair but boy you still lose out on your home game that's 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 sad more important things though people sitting in cold apartments cold homes because of the electric issue not being able to get around not possibly being able to get food and of course people living rough outside Uh, so thoughts are out there and we see this with so many different situations but Being a little close to home in this part of southwestern Ontario, not too far, and being somebody who, you know, for all I know, I could be telling you about us being buried in a week or two or month uh, as the generator builds up and fires up off of Lake Huron or, or something. So fedoras off those folks living tough this weekend in the Buffalo area.